Welcome to the $7 Trillion Ideas to Save the World podcast. I'm your host, Nika Moini. I'm a master's in international affairs student in international economic policy with a focus on development financing at Carleton University. I'm also a community leader, advocate of youth entrepreneurship, and author of Careers in International Relations, Generation Z's Guide to Global Citizenship. You may have found this podcast through your interest in development finance, or just ideas to make the world a better place. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the $7 Trillion Ideas to Save the World podcast. Today, we have a special guest here with us, Tim Nash from Good Investing, and he's going to tell us about his work and the gap he sees in terms of bringing people that are passionate about social issues together with the investing world. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Amazing. So let's start off by you just telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Sure. So uh, I wear a couple different hats, um, but the the way I make my money is that I'm an investment coach. So I teach people how to invest online uh, according to their values. And so looking at socially responsible investing, green investing, impact investing, they're all sort of these different buzzwords. And I kind of, you know, I'm a bit of a catch-all for all of them and helping people figure out where they're at with their own personal financial goals and helping them better align that with their values. Um, So the way I kind of got into this is that uh, a few years ago, uh, I got an early inheritance from my grandpa. And it wasn't a huge amount of money, but it was enough to be able to pay off my student loans and uh, had probably about seven or $8,000 that I wanted to invest. And as I looked around, there really wasn't uh, uh, you know, t- too much information uh, around this idea of sustainable investing. So I started doing the research on my own and started looking at if I wanted to invest my own money online, do it myself, then how would I do that? And I started researching these socially responsible and green, these things called the ETFs, exchange traded funds. And I found that there were a whole bunch of them available, um, but nobody really knew about them. So I created my blog, Sustainable Economist, and I just started uh, uh, putting my research online. And, uh, you know, as I went through my journey and figured out how I'd want to invest my own money, uh, people started reaching out saying, Tim, how do I actually do this? So since then, I've helped probably about 250 people learn how to invest their own money according to their values. That's amazing. And that's something that's definitely needed right now. You know, I look around at my own workplace, which is global affairs, and it's filled with people that have this passion for making a social impact. But when it comes to this idea of finance and innovative financing and impact investing, it's just like a disconnect in terms of their understanding. So can you speak more to that and um, what that looks like in your work? Sure. So, you know, I travel in a lot of sustainability circles and people that are really passionate about uh, uh, environmental issues, social justice issues, and obviously the intersectionality between all these complicated things. And, you know, something that I find overwhelmingly is that when conversation turns to the economy and the impact on the economy of a bunch of these different policies, people kind of tend to shut down. Um, They just really, you know, they feel really uncomfortable, I think, talking to 
economic issues and ideas and the language often becomes so sort of silly. It's, it's just, you know, it's such a different language. It's so foreign for so many people that when people start talking about that, you know, they don't really have much to say and certainly don't feel comfortable engaging in a form of debate. And for me, I think that there are a couple of reasons why this is. I mean, one thing is that for a lot of people, economics and finance is really boring right? It's just straight up sort of dull. I, I'm lucky in that I'm kind of a nerd. I find these things fascinating and really exciting so I can get into it. But I think for most people, when you start talking about, you know, economic growth or return on investment that, you know, people's eyes kind of glaze over and, you know, they just really don't want to talk about it too much. Um, but at the same time, I also think there's a huge lack of just basic financial literacy. Um, you know, we're really not taught these issues in elementary school, in high school. So unless you went out of your way and like did a business degree or took a bunch of those courses on the side, uh, most people just really aren't equipped with the language uh, to be able to, to talk about these things. And we see it all the time, you know, in people's personal lives, how it can affect things. I mean, even just basic budgeting and making sure that you're saving enough for retirement. Or, you know, there's always this conversation about should I, you know, keep renting an apartment or am I ready to buy a house and buy property? And a lot of people just aren't really equipped uh, to be able to deal with those issues, to kind of do the math on it. Um, and, and to decide what's right for them. So I think it's a little bit of sort of, you know, an aversion that people who do really care about social and environmental issues, they kind of feel like they've got bigger fish to fry, like they're working on these major systemic issues. Um, and so, you know, to take the time, like, and it's, it's, it takes some time and effort to be able to learn these things. Um, and then at the same time, I'd say it's just status quo bias that really if you just kind of lived your life and went through the traditional education system, there's a really good chance that you just never came up against these, uh, these concepts and this language. And so when you come across it in day-to-day -day life, it feels kind of foreign and it feels a little scary and it's really easy to get intimidated by people who sound like they're really smart, who sound like they understand this stuff right, but aren't gonna take the time to actually explain it to you, oftentimes those people are just salespeople trying to sell you on a product or an investment. So, you know, I think it's really, really important that people that are actively working in sustainability in, you know, on these sort of social justice issues, take the time to really become financially literate, understand their own personal finances, but also understanding a little bit more about how the broader economy works and looking at things like interest rates and inflation, um, those have huge impacts, you know, specifically when we're looking at, um, you know, at poverty issues. And then right now the big debate in Canada is around carbon pricing and carbon taxes. And if you don't know very much about, you know, sort of deficits and taxes and how government spending works on that macro level, you really can't speak to that issue very intelligently. And it's too bad because we all know it's, it is a really good sound idea, but I do feel like we're losing the debate a little bit just because I think it's one of these concepts that it's really hard to explain to people um, why a tax is actually a really good idea. Right. And how could someone, you know, that's completely foreign to the world of finance start to explore this idea of sustainable investing? What do you think are some of the first steps that they could take and what can they look into? Totally. And really, I think the first step is just asking questions, right? And it's asking questions to, you know, whoever is in charge of your finances right now. So if you have a manager, you have like a mutual fund salesperson or an advisor, um, you know, if, if you have a pension, you know, it's talking to your HR 
people and, you know, sort of the, the whoever's in charge of that kind of, you know, pension aspect. Um, but really, it's just to ask questions around what is actually inside my portfolio? What are the companies that I'm investing in? And, you know, it can be a little bit frustrating at first just because oftentimes people will kind of dismiss these questions or like, frankly, they won't even really know what companies are inside. Or you might get a list of like the top 10, but it won't, they won't tell you all of them. So you won't get to see sort of the real nitty gritty of what's in there. Um, and then, you know, and then from there kind of learning how to ask questions to Google and to other search, uh, you know, searching sites. There's a really cool tool right now on Yahoo Finance right? And, and you can go in there and you can look up a company. And um, oftentimes, they'll actually have the sustainability score of that company. So I can go up and look at, you know, a company like Apple, and I can be like, okay, what is their score relative to their peers, to other companies when it comes to environmental issues, social issues, and governance issues. And that type of information can be really, really powerful. Um, so the first step is always just like ask questions, um, you know, start to learn about it a little bit online. Uh, I'm a little bit biased because I, you know, I'm an investment coach. So I actively teach people how to do this. And certainly there's a lot of good information available for free on my blog, sustainableeconomist.com. But also, you know, it, for a lot of people, it makes sense to hire a financial planner. So it's not an advisor that's going to sell you products. It's not someone that's going to actually do things for you. Uh, it's someone that you're going to pay by the hour. And just like you pay an accountant by the hour, a lawyer by the hour, you can pay a financial planner by the hour uh, to help you be able to understand where you're at, you know, what types of investments make sense for you, and then kind of hold your hand as you go through a process and, you know, open up the online accounts and put your money inside and then actually start uh, uh, making investments. Awesome. So can you give us a tangible example of like a sustainable investment that someone could invest in? Uh, sure, sure. So I've got a good one here for you. Uh, so what I've got here is uh, an ETF. So this is an exchange traded fund. And an exchange traded fund is very similar to a mutual fund in that it's a bundle of different companies. Um, but uh, uh, it's traded online, it's traded through an exchange, so it's way, way, way cheaper than a mutual fund. But this is something that anyone uh, can buy. Um, it's an ETF with the ticker symbol MPCT. So if you've got a browser in front of you, I'll just get you to open up uh, a browser to Google, and we're gonna Google the letters MPCT space ETF. So it's like the word impact, but with no vowels. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I, I got the page open. You here. got it. Awesome. So it's the iShares.com, iShares MSCI Global Impact ETF. So this yep. is a data sheet. This can look a little confusing, lots of numbers in here, but I'll kind of help break it down. I want you to scroll down to just a little bit where it says why impact, right? And so this is really interesting. This is an ETF that uh, uh, tracks the UN's sustainable development goals. So really every company inside this fund is gonna have some link, and now it might be a strong link, it might be a weak link, I'll kind of leave that up to you to decide. 
um, but that these are companies that are somehow related to one of the SDGs. So this is really cool. This is an investment that anyone can buy that basically is, and I can see number two, it's, it targets companies that not only employ strong socially conscious practices, but also build their business around products and services that may drive positive change. And I think the may is, is kind of key there. Um, you know, right. and then number three, it does say that it'll invest in companies that seek to address some of the world's major social and environmental challenges while maintaining exposure to global stocks. So this is a way for people to invest in global stocks, right? But mm -hmm. that is kind of linked to the sustainable development goals. Um, so now the, it's really interesting looking at this and I get very different perspectives. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. If we look at what's inside, uh, if you scroll right. down to where it says holdings, do you see where it yeah. says holdings? Mm -hmm. And now it defaults to the top 10. I don't want the top 10. I want all of them. So I'm going to click on that little all button. Okay. And then you can see at the bottom, it's, this is one to 10 of 123 companies. So I buy mm -hmm. one share of this ETF, I buy one share of this fund, and I get exposure to all these different companies. In the bottom right, there's a little button that says show all, just so we don't have to scroll, you know, you don't have to click through, right. you can just you know, scroll through all the companies inside this ETF. Okay. So, it's kind of cool. So I don't know, like if we look at the top and at the top, these will be the, the companies with the heaviest weighting. So each company has a percentage in the portfolio. It has to add up to 100%. And okay. you know, the, the biggest companies have the heaviest weighting. So the one at the top are going to be right. the bigger ones. And I'm just curious whether you recognize any of these companies. Right. Um, but there are a few, like there are a bunch that I know in the green space. So like Schneider Electric does energy management systems. That's like hardware and software for facilities like, you know, sensors and automated, you know, programmable thermostats. There's mm -hmm. Vestas Wind Systems, which is the world's largest uh, wind turbine uh, uh, manufacturer. So a lot of cool green right. companies in here, but there are also a lot of consumer ones that I know sometimes people don't love. Uh, Procter & Gamble, P&G is, right. you know. Colgate, I see Colgate here. Yeah, Colgate, so toothpaste. Right? right, because I bet that health and like dental health is like one of the sustainable development goals. Right. Okay. So yeah, I guess my question yeah. was kind of like, how did these companies get chosen? Like, what were the kind of the impact measurement frameworks that were used in order to decide, you know, which kind of companies are going to right? Come in here? So you kind of want to know how the sausage gets made here. Mm -hmm. And that's cool, like in terms of what's in here. And to be honest, I don't know specifically what I do know. Here's what I can tell you. So there's a company called MSCI, Morgan Stanley Capital Indices. And mm -hmm. they, do, they do a lot of this work. And what they do is, is look to find companies that get at least half of their revenue, so at least 50% of their revenues, from products and services um, that push forward at least one of the SDGs. So there is a cool little infographic if you scroll down all the way to the bottom to where it says literature and there's the button that says product brief. Right. And basically what this does, this will kind of give you the nuts and bolts of essentially their framework around how they do it. 
right? Mm -hmm. And there are a whole bunch of different screens that go into it. This is more of like the, the process that they use. It still, it doesn't really give us the information. Like, and this is kind of into the weeds a little bit where, you know, we do get into some financial, uh, um, you know, sort of a language that might not be super accessible. But basically what they do right. is they look at the company's revenues, and they try to line up that company's revenues with a UN Sustainable Development Goal. And if they find that more than 50% of the company's revenues can be linked to an SDG, then that company yeah. gets included in this list. Does that make sense? Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm looking right now on the first page where it's um, talking about kind of the goals that it's getting at, and it's showing like, basic needs that talks about the SDGs that kind of address basic needs like good health, um, zero hunger. So I, I see where maybe right. like the toothpaste or like the um, consumer goods kind of fits in here. Um, and then Absolutely. there's a, there there's a large be... portion uh, devoted also to like climate change and the environment, which makes sense why there's like the railway companies in there and the tech stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a bit of a loose, like I would call this kind of a first attempt. So this got created, yeah. uh, you know, it was about two years ago. I can see it was created April 20th, 2016. So this is, you know, I would say, you know, 1.0 version 1.0 of, of the CTF when it comes to this notion of impact investing. Um, where it's really just looking at sort of what the company does. Now, there are some cool companies inside, like one that really stuck out for me was Danone, which is the yogurt company, right? Mm -hmm. Danone Yogurt. But they're very slowly, they're, they're becoming a B Corp. And I don't know, are you familiar with B Corps at all? I think yeah, that's something yeah. you've looked at it. And so, um, so Danone is going to be the largest company, the largest B Corp in the world. And the way they're doing it is business unit by business unit starting to transfer uh, uh, over to that B Corp certification. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think there's a long way to go. And I'm not going to pretend that, you know, a company like Procter & Gamble has the best sustainability strategy, <laughs> you know, right. in the market and is really moving the needle on, on, on no poverty and, you know, clean water and sanitization. Um, but you can see that at least this is an initial screen. And this is a real tangible investment that like people can actually put money into. And, you know, I wouldn't want people to put all of their money into an ETF like this, but this is the type of thing that you could build in as part of your portfolio. And this ETF has done well, like people, you know, it's, it's, it's made money over the last little while in the past couple of years um, that it's yeah. been around. And, you know, I can see since inception. So over the last two years, and I'm back at the data sheet under the performance, it's done about 9.66%. Right. So investors have made roughly a 10% return. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and that's, that's probably the, the, the average annual. So since inception, if we look at the cumulative over the last two years, this is up 22 and a half percent. So, mm -hmm. I mean, really, it's, it's the type of thing where this is a way to earn stock market financial returns while investing in companies that at least to some degree are providing goods and services that are promoting the, the SDGs. Right. Yeah. And something else I noticed is that it's by BlackRock, which is impressive because that's a very large, you know, renowned firms so There's, it's good that yeah. it's good that these large kind of firms are actually taking up this work rather than just kind of the smaller investment groups 
Exactly. And so it's really two names that stick out. One is BlackRock. You're right. You know, the, and they've been doing some really cool stuff. The other one is in the title of it, which is MSCI, Morgan Stanley Capital Indices. This is like mm -hmm. a giant global financial juggernaut. And they've got right. some of the best sustainability data on these companies in the world. And they're doing a lot of really cool things by sort of doing the math and creating an index so that then BlackRock can come along and create this ETF. So, you know, definitely I do see movement in the financial industry. There are more and more products becoming available every year. What's interesting to me is that whenever I see surveys of like people that are into this and interested in this, it's always really high. Like I bet, you know, most of your listeners are listening to this being like, whoa, this is something, this is really cool. This is something that I'd like to do, you know, at least to some degree. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of the big barriers is that people end up like not actually doing it. So there's a lot of interest mm -hmm. in this, but there right. isn't as much money actually flowing into these. And I think it comes back to that financial literacy piece that a lot right. of the people that would care about an ETF like this um, are people who care about sustainable development and care about these issues. But so often those people like have no idea what an ETF is, let alone like how you would actually buy this and, right. you know, actually invest your money in here and how much money should I put in and how do I do that? And what are, you know, tax implications and, you know, can get very intimidating very quickly. So that's why my mission, really what I'm trying to do in this world is, is to show people that it's actually not that hard. It's pretty easy to buy this stuff to do it. It's just that no one's ever learned, right? Mm -hmm. Like this was part of the high school curriculum. This wasn't, nobody learned these skills. And so, you know, what I do is I teach people um, how to actually buy these things, um, walk them through a process that helps them like set up the right accounts and, you know, make the decision on how much money you should invest. And then understand that they do have some really cool products like this that are available and kind of empower them to sort of choose, be intentional about what types of investments and what are the companies that they want to invest in. Um, and then kind of hold their hand as they actually like make the trade is, you know, to actually sort of pull the trigger and make the investment is really scary the first time you do it. So providing that sort of emotional support. And then overwhelmingly, the response I get from people is like, once they bought their first ETF, they're just like, oh my God, that's it? Like, that was so easy. Right. And I think it's kind of like the analogy of like the first time you ever booked an airplane ticket online. Mm -hmm. Right, like back in the day, people used to call up a travel agent and they'd like call and they'd do it, and that's how you'd book things. And like now, nobody does that, right? And the first time you booked an airplane ticket, it's a little bit scary, it's a little bit weird. You're like putting in your credit card number, you're like, What am I doing here? I don't really know. But you just sort of sit down and you do it, and then you're like, Oh, that was incredibly easy, and it like remembers your selections, you know, for next time. And that, um, and that really now, you know, nobody calls a travel agent, right? Like everyone realizes that by doing it online, you can save a bunch of money. Like you're not paying the travel agent their fee. Um, and at the same time, you get to choose, you get to customize, you know, where you're going, what layover, what airline, like you kind of have that agency of that choice. And it's the same thing when it comes to do it yourself online investing, um, where it's really not that hard, um, but people do need support to be able to kind of get over those psychological barriers and actually sit down. And again, like this stuff is boring, right? So like having to do the paperwork and fill out all the forms, right? It can just be, you know, uh, there are a lot of barriers there for why people aren't currently doing this. Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. And you also host an event, right? Where you actually kind of like a simulation where you help people engage yeah. with these companies. So maybe tell our audience a little bit more about that. Sure. So it's a little bit different um, because I don't, it's not about sort of investing in, in traditional kind of stocks and bonds. Um, it's more around this idea of community investing. So it's called impact investing. So th these are things that aren't going to be traded on an exchange, but it's things like community bonds, solar bonds, uh, microfinance, like a lot of really, really cool sort of high impact stuff. And the, what I do is I host uh, an event called uh, uh, the Good Investment Fair. And I've done it a few times in Toronto. Um, I'm looking to bring it to Ottawa in November. So I've kind of penciled in November 23rd. And I'm just trying to sort out all the details there. Um, but basically, it's like a farmer's market for impact investments. Um, so people walk in and it's kind of a fair, so you can come at any time, we kind of have it open as much of the, day, of the day as we can. And people walk in and as they walk in, I give them fake money. So everyone gets like $5 million, you know, $5 million bills. And around the room, there are probably about, you know, 10 to 12 different organizations that uh, everyone has a booth and where they've got a specific impact investment offering. So they've got a solar bond or a green bond or a community bond, or they've got some type of, of, of financial product. And kind of the game is that people go around to all the different booths and, you know, because they're, they have to figure out who they want to invest their money with. And really by giving people that fake money, I mean, A, it's just a lot of fun, right? So it gets over the boring part. It's like, woo, I'm a millionaire. You know, who do I want to invest my money with? Like, A, that's a really fun game to play. Um, but B, what it does is it really kind of primes people psychologically to ask the right questions. Because even if it's fake money, you kind of want to take care investing that fake money. You sort of, you know, you want to make a smart decision. So you're going to be asking them questions around, well, what are the returns? You know, if I invest a million dollars, how much am I going to get back every year, right? What are the risks? Is, is it possible that I would lose my million dollars if I uh, give you, if I invest this? And, you know, what are the scenarios? What could happen? that would result in me losing all my money, right? It really kind of primes people to ask those right questions. And, um, you know, and it's just, it's, it's great because it really provides that experiential learning, right? Where you can learn about all these different products, things that are kind of foreign for most people, you know, if, if you haven't, most people haven't heard about community bonds before. So it lets them go and ask a million questions, um, but do it in a way that's fun and accessible and, you know, my hope is that if somebody invests a million dollars of fake money into a community bond, that they're going to then, you know, be much more likely to invest $1,000 or $10,000 of real money into that bond. So, you know, my hope is, is that, you know, people can really experience it and really do it for the first time. And in experience that, experiencing that, realize that this is actually something that they can do that's going to make sense and like financially and help them meet their retirement goals, but it's also going to make them feel really good knowing that they are, you know, supporting the growth of a more sustainable economy. Perfect. That is super exciting. And so you're going to host it in Ottawa soon, right? <laughs> yeah. So like I said, it's, I'm still hoping to lock in sort of a date and a venue, um, but that, you know, I'm, I'd love to keep you posted. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think Ottawa is really ready for something like this. I've heard a lot of demand. Again, there are a lot of people talking about impact investing in Ottawa. Um, I don't know if there are enough people really doing it. So, you know, my hope is to change that. 
Perfect. So that brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me and sharing all of your insights with my audience. It was really wonderful to have you. So if people want to learn more about you or even book a consultation with you, where can they do that? Yeah, so uh, if people just want more information, the best place is my blog, which is sustainableeconomist.com. Um, and that's where I write about things and I've got my, um, you know, my model portfolios up there. And that if people want to book a, a consultation, they should do it through my financial planning services company, which is called Good Investing. So that's at goodinvesting.com. And there's a nice bright button that lets you book a, a free consultation. And really happy to chat with anyone about sort of where they're at and to see whether my services are a good fit. Perfect. So thank you so much for being here, Tim. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the $7 trillion ideas to save the world podcast. If you know someone who would love listening to this content, make sure to send it over to them so they too can learn about it. And together, let's change the world.